Welcome everyone to Faded Mates. We are so excited today. We have the brilliant Nicola Yoon with us. We are, Nicola, we are feeling great about this. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I am feeling great about it, too. I have been looking forward to this for a while. Yay. Well, I'm especially excited because, as all of our listeners know, I'm a middle school teacher. So having Nicola is also, like, it's both a personal and a professional thrill. (laughs) (laughs) You can't tell your kids that you do this, though. (laughs) I can't tell my students about it. I actually am now a little afraid. They'll be like, oh, my God, I love, li- like, everything she's on. I listen. And then they were like, but wait, it sounds like my English teacher. No. It's not, everyone. It's not it's your not. English teacher. Couldn't I'm not possibly English be. teacher. I love having a secret life. You know, when I was writing everything, everything, I didn't tell my job, my old job, that I was a writer at all. Like, I kept it a secret for years and years until I quit. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to go write books now. <laughs> well done. Well, well you're done. incredibly brave. I did the same thing. I wrote my first book um, in secret while I had, you know, this corporate right. job. And then I published it under a different name because I was like, no oh, one no. can <laughs> find me if I'm writing romance novels under this other name. Right, um, yeah. And then That's when funny. I quit, everyone was like, wait, you do what on the side? Yeah. It's like so. such a fun reveal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Nicola, welcome. We are, so we are, I'm super excited because I've read everything, everything. And then when I read, and I loved it. And then when I read Instructions for Dancing, I was like, oh, Nicola Yoon is a romance novel fan. Yes, she is. It was amazing. <laughs> Me too. I was like, this is bona fide. I am a huge romance novel fan. Like, I have read probably everything. Like, just <laughs> across every paranormal, like, historical, you name it, I've read it. Tell us your romance origin story. Oh, God. Okay, this is kind of a funny story, actually. So I grew up in Jamaica, the island, you know, in the Caribbean. And I was, I want to say eight or nine one night when I watched Poltergeist, the movie. And, you know, like... Not a romance. No, not a romance. (laughs) This did already, it's taken a turn. (laughs) (laughs) It's a dark turn, you guys. Um, But anyway, so I was way too young to watch this movie, right? And I was at my grandmother's house. And I watched it. I was terrified. I went to sleep in my aunt's room. And there was a tree outside the window that was very reminiscent of the tree in Poltergeist, like the one that eats the child. And so I was convinced that this tree was going to like burst through the window and eat me just like the movie. So I freaked out. I got off the bed. I went under the bed. And there I discovered my aunt's romance, my Harlequin romance books. I love so this. Under, the, <laughs> under bed. the bed. That's my origin story too. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's true. My sister, well, not the poltergeist part, but my sister kept all her books under the bed and then went to college. And then I found them. <laughs> they, like, they think that's a hiding place. I'm just like, it's just under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> There are no monsters under there if there are books under there, though. Right, right. right. So, like, I picked one up, and I can't remember what Harlequin series, because this has got to be before Blaze. Anyway, like, I picked it up, and I, like, read the whole thing, and I was nine, and I understood nothing, like, very little, like, because there was, like... But you weren't scared anymore. No, no, no. I read it through. I was, like, the bosoms are heaving and the gorgeous amounts of flesh, and I had no clue, but I was totally and completely hooked. I read, like, everything after that. So that is my origin story. Oh, <laughs> it's a pretty well, great origin one of story. us. One of us. <laughs> one of us. Absolutely. Even young, we were we were 9, 10, 11 when we started right. too. So welcome. We're <laughs> you. It's a good group. It's a good group we're to be in. We're to have found you. <laughs> I love hearing people's stories. So actually that leads to a really interesting question, which is, so why are you drawn to writing YA romance or, or YA in general? What's what is it about that subgenre that really speaks to you? Yeah, you know, so um, I talk about this a lot, but I mean, the thing that's so amazing about kids, like sixteen and seventeen year olds, is that they are just becoming right, and as a part of that process, they are asking the big questions. Like in some ways, that adults have sort of stopped asking the big questions, right? Like they're asking questions about the meaning of life and whether or not they believe in God, and you know, what's their place in the world, and who they want to be in the world, um, and. 
I am kind of like that anyway. Like, I mean, I'm 10,000 years old, but I am really quite philosophical. So I'm always asking those questions. Like I'm the person at the dinner party that's like, but what does it really mean? Right. <laughs> Which is like sort of annoying if you're not like that. <laughs> um, but like, but teenagers are naturally like that. That's just a function of being that age. And so I think we just fit like personality wise, right? Like I love being in conversation with the kids, like saying, you know, look at this like way of being over here and look at this other way of being over here. You know, like, you know, let's consider all these like sort of big philosophical questions. Um, And then, you know, love is transformative. Like love is the thing that makes the world go round, right? And and I think people poo-poo like romance and love, except for it's the only thing that everyone always wants, right? Like it's the thing everyone wants in any realm. Um, Love of art, work, your friends, your family. family, Right. Right. But it's the thing that everyone will do anything to get. Um, And so, you know, I think we just sort of fit together. Like I like big questions and so, so do they. And love is the thing for me, so. I think this is a good place to mention that your husband is also yeah. a YA romance writer. He is. And so I wonder if you could talk a little about that, about finding each other and writing together and what, and and of course you've just started, is it the universe? Oh, is right. That, <laughs> you're launching the universe, which I mean, perfect name, perfect, perfect. Name is destiny. We say all the time here, but I wonder, talk a little bit about him, about you all, and then what's coming from you. David and I met in graduate school in Boston um, in front of our first writing class, like our first writing workshop. And like he disputes the way we met because he is convinced we met outside, but we met in class. (laughs) (laughs) We've been been married for 19 years and we've been arguing about this for 19 years. Um, (laughs) But I mean... I will tell you that I am a total goober. I am so in love with my husband. He's the best thing on earth. Like we were so happy. Like he's the person I want to hang out with all the time. I mean, like I think that we have such a good marriage because we really like each other. Like genuinely just like, I want to hang out with you because you're funny and smart, you know? Um, We've been working on a thing together. We were actually just doing that before I got on to talk to you guys. Um, And, you know, he's a romantic goober too. Like he thinks about love in the same way I do. Like there is a transformative power of it. Um, I am better because I met him. And I think when I write romances, I want for the people to change because they met each other. Um, one of the things I always like to talk about is like falling in love with someone else is also falling in love with yourself. Right. Right. Like you're getting to know yourself too. Um, and that's what David does for me. Um, and he feels the same way about romance books. So, you know, that's pretty great. <laughs> I love it. Can you tell us a little bit about the universe? Yeah, so we have a couple of things. Um, We have a new imprint at Random House Children's Books called Joy Revolution. And that's like dedicated to big swoony love stories um, by people of color about people of color, right? So like the big joyous, like lots of kissing, five pages of kissing straight, if we can get it. Sold, Uh, like it. Send it to me in a box every month. (laughs) That was born out of the fact that a lot of times when you see books with people of color, there are stories of sort of struggle um, and pain and racism, but pain is not all there is. Um, You know, Black girls fall in love all day, every day. I certainly did in high school, right? Right. Um, People of color, just these stories are dedicating to showing the sort of full measure of their humanity, right? And that includes falling in love because it's human and everyone does it. Um, and then the second thing, which is the universe, is we have signed a first look deal with anonymous content to make movies, like big Swinny Love stories. Um, again, so these both these things happen in the last like six or eight months. So we're really excited. Amazing. <laughs> we're also incredibly busy, but like it's really good work, right? It's good for the soul. Well, we here at Fade Mates are very pro big swoony love stories in all formats across all <laughs> media. So everywhere. Yay. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So you actually have essentially like two new releases out at once. Right. Because yes. you're an underachiever. Ridiculous. Um and so <laughs> Blackout, which is an anthology that you wrote with five other Black women and is a kind of a, 
almost like the beginnings of love stories. I read it and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Was also optioned by the Obamas. So right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that you know how publishing is, right? You like you have this news and you can never say it for like ten thousand years, right? So yeah. So and th- um, Blackout is uh, it's like an interconnected novel, um, and all six of us wrote like these. Um, different chapters with different couples and Barack and Michelle Obama, the best people on earth <laughs> optioned our little book for TV and film for Netflix. So there's a movie and then six episodes Oh, that's cool. and we get to write on them and it's like ridiculous. <gasps> like it's just that's amazing. Like I don't even believe it. I'm saying the words to you and I don't actually believe what I'm saying to you. You have had a great, very busy year. It's been a busy year. Congratulations. Huge. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about instructions for dancing because it is, it just came out, what, July 1st, maybe? June June 1st. June 1st. Okay. And um, it is... It's terrific. It's and, so romantic. Uh, it's very romantic. It's very, I can't it's even deal with how romantic it is. It's deeply romantic. Yeah. yeah. And, but it's also, in some ways, I would say, and we're not going to spoil anything for anybody, but I, I, when I, I read it first before Sarah and I said, well, it leans very hard into the HFN category, right? As opposed to <laughs> yeah. the HEA. But I think that it still would qualify as a romance in everybody's book. And it's very romantic. So talk a little bit about instructions for dancing. And it sounds like it was a really personal book for you too. Yeah, it, it really was. Um, so I'll just like give the the little synopsis. sort of yeah synopsis. So it's about a girl named Evie who is a huge fan of romance novels. Um, but when we meet her, she's become quite cynical instead of being like sort of the romantic that she has been. And the reason she's cynical is because her favorite couple, her parents, have gotten divorced. So she's kind of miserable about that and she doesn't believe in love anymore. And when we meet her, she's returning her books to like a little free library. So tragic. I know, right? For <laughs> listeners, like this is how bad it is. She's giving away all her romance right. novels. She doesn't believe in them anymore. Yeah. If I ever do this, something's clearly wrong with me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Evie's pretty sad. So she's giving the books away. She meets this mysterious woman. And after the meeting, she develops this, this really strange power, which is whenever she sees a couple kiss, she sees their entire relationship, right? So she sees like the spoony beginning and like the sort of very contented middle. And then she sees the end. And what she takes away from this having this power is everything ends why bother? Like, why fall in love in the first place? Why not just sort of stay home and hide away from the world? But then it's a romance. So then here comes Xavier, like the super hot rock star. Um, Literally. (laughs) Right? And he's beautiful. He's spontaneous. He's really caring. Um, He believes in living in the moment. And and he really likes Evie right away. And she spends, you know, a long time trying to resist him. But he's irresistible. And so she has to decide for herself what love is worth, right? Like whether or not love is worth the potential for heartbreak, because she knows from her visions that everything ends. So that's it. That's the synopsis. One of the things that I think YA romance does, I was telling Sarah before we started that I, I, as a middle school teacher, kind of have this belief that there's two really important things why romance can do, like almost like a continuum. And it's like angst on one side and humor on the other, right? And so some books are really all angst, some are kind of all humor, but all have elements of both. Like that just seems to be a really important part of the YA romance DNA. And I think that that's obviously instructions for dancing is way more on the angst side. Um, But I think that it's one of the things I think that why does so well is it shows that that angst exists in all kinds of relationships for main characters, not just the romance, right? An adult romance often, like, a person is doing pretty well, and then they meet someone, and it's like, do I want to get with this person? And in YA romance, it's like, no, every single relationship I'm in is, like, work in a way, and I can't figure out. And I think that that's something... One of the things that's really interesting about X is that he has a model in his grandparents right. for like, like a, a wonderful, a wonderful, beautiful, yeah. happy people that have been together forever. And I think that it's 
I, I don't know. I was just really, really moved by her relationship with her sister, with her mom, with her dad, with her dad. I mean, yeah. all of that really spoke to me. I was not to get too personal, but I don't usually, when I, when I read really great way, I feel like I remember who I was. I don't know if that makes right. sense. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're, Sarah and I want to talk about like the audience question with YA, but I found when I, my parents got divorced and then I found the bag of romance novels. So I found kind of romance after. And to me, it was really validating. Like people actually do fall in love and it does last. Yes. It doesn't have to be like it was in your house. Right. Yeah. And I found myself really like thinking about what would it be like if I had found romance first and then my parents got divorced. Right. Like these books are a lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, there are a couple of things I'll say. So the reason I I think a lot of why it talks about families is because kids are, you know, they have this push and pull, right? Like they want to be free, but you also want the security and the safety of your family. And those are the primary relationships, right? Like when I was 16, my mom and dad were in charge of my life, right? So like you have a relationship with them that you can't break and you don't necessarily want to. Um, and so like, I think that's why it's important to put sort of put the families and put who the main character is becoming in relation to their families and then outside of who their families are. Um, you know, when I wrote Instructions for Dancing, I was asking the same question that Evie in the book is asking, right? She's basically saying, is love worth the heartbreak? Uh, when I wrote the book, my mom was really very sick. Uh, and we did not know for a couple of years whether or not she would survive. And my father-in-law got sick and he was diagnosed with cancer and he died in the year, just like 11 months later. And so I spent like, you know, basically two and a half years in a hospital with both of them at some point. And the overwhelming question I kept thinking of was, I love these people so much. And and this is how I am anyway. Like I just love big. And why 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 am I doing that? Right? Like you're going to lose the people that you love at some point. So why not stay home? I mean, there were days when I was just like, I am locking myself away in a tower. <laughs> I will not let down my hair. I will not <laughs> talk to anyone. I don't want it. You know. But of course, that's impossible because. To love is human. Right. It's like breathing, right? You can't stop. But that is the question I was struggling with when I wrote the book. I think that the thing that strikes me about all of your books, I mean, so two things. One, as I, we are going to get into audience, but obviously I can't make myself a teenager again when I'm reading your books. So when I come at them, one of the things that I, I keep coming back to with your books is that relationship with parents, particularly mothers. Like, you have, and I mean, this is partially because I am a mother too, so I feel very connected to these relationships, and I love how real they are, but also getting back to what you were saying about feelings and what Jem was pointing out about feelings, these these big, I mean, I write romance novels, and we say like, oh, the emotions are huge in romance, right? But YA just takes every emotion and just amps it up to 11, and it makes the book so... You just soak them in. You feel wrapped in other people's emotions. And I think truly great YA writers like you have this kind of instinct to just sink a reader into every emotion that they might, that they have felt or might feel. And I mean, I've read my journals from when I was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> if you have them out there, just be warned. You were certifiable. <laughs> <laughs> all, all gas, no breaks on the feelings it's when you're magnificent. Right? And I think romance readers and romance, this is me sort of preaching to romance writers, but like romance writers have so much to learn from YA. And maybe this is where we could talk a little bit about um, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot over the last couple of weeks, knowing that you were coming on, is this question of how romance seems to have, at the beginning of beginning of YA, appreciating that, you know, YA has existed for a long time. Right. It's on a continuum, when, yes. Yeah. When we were young, there were so yeah. many fewer books that were written yeah. for us. That's true. I think young people today have such a are very lucky to have such a wide variety of books available to them, telling so many different stories. And in the the as as the 
as the the YA genre was ramping up, and I wrote my, my first book was a YA novel, and it came out in twenty in two thousand and nine, and then I moved to romance. Um, but then it felt like romance had imprinted on a lot of these books in a lot of ways, you know, largely because of Twilight, right? That there was right. a sort of yeah. Yeah. Stephanie Meyer had come yeah. from Pride and Prejudice, and so here we all were rewriting like that kind of arc. Yeah, and now it feels like. YA has imprinted so hard on romance in we're all we're all having a dialogue together here in this like YA romance dance. Right. Because I mean everyone wants to read love stories. It's such a big category because of what I was saying before, right? Like love love is the thing that makes the world go round. Um, the thing about teenagers is, you know, as opposed to adults, is like they're going through all the same hard things that adults go through, but they're just doing it for the first time, right? So it's harder, <laughs> right? Um, and in some ways more intense, right? Because the adult brain is so good at saying, oh, that's just like this other thing and sort of poo-pooing it. But when something's brand new, you really notice it, right? It's like the colors are turned up, everything's just brighter and you feel more. Um, And I think that that's, um, that's what happens to kids because it's the first time. Like I remember the first time my little girl saw the ocean and I actually put that scene basically like um verbatim into everything everything i remember yeah because like my little girl when she saw the ocean she just bum rushed it she just like ran towards it which is what i had maddie and everything everything do right because that is how you react when it's new and when love is new and you haven't had your heart broken yet or you haven't been intensely in love yet i do think it's a little bit different it just feels like it's so acute um and I love those, like those moments of discovery, just like me as an artist. Like I like that, you know, the newness of it. I also feel like if we're being honest, though, I feel like there's a lot of ways in which YA is far more progressive than romance, right? I mean, in, in, by which I mean, you know, adult romance, especially traditionally published romance, is still very cishet. It's still very mm-hmm. white, right? And it's like you kind of like there's still this sense of, you know, that publishing kind of gatekeeping, right? Whereas when you're looking at YA romance, it really is like every love story that you can think of, you can find in mm-hmm. YA romance. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that, you know, if if I worry about, and not in the sense that, like, because I think we're going to lose YA readers who are like, this is, why can't I have this in adult romance? I got this my entire childhood from YA. And now you people are like, no, here's some more white folks, you know, here's some more MF romance. And that's, I think, a thing that if, if our readers, you know, you might have heard that that's the case, but I'm telling you, it is the case. And it's a place where we really now need to play some serious catch up to, to give people the stories they want and they deserve and that we all want and deserve. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things, well, A, I think that YA has come a long way and has a long way to go. But I think one of the things that's sort of weird is this idea that if they're like, say, Black main characters or gay main characters, then that's only for Black people or only for gay people, which is crazy, right? You can learn about the world and love from anyone, right? Right. right. Like, um, we are not defined by these sort of external identifiers. And like, I, I mean, I swear to God, I spent my entire 20s just trying to be defined as Nikki and nothing else, right? I just like, I'm just this, the weird girl with blue hair. That's it, right? Um, and so, you know, we just, we need to get over that, that idea that like books are for certain people because of the main characters who are in them. Like, Books are for everyone. You can learn from anyone. Like you can learn as much from a a main character who's disabled as you can learn from someone who's like, you know, able-bodied. So, um, you know, and we just need everyone to be allowed the full measure of their humanity, right? We just need to put all the stories out there, right? Like I am tired of reading stories about racism, Honestly, like I just can't, it can't be the only story story I ever see brown girls in. It just can't, right? Like I just want to, I just want some kissing. Give me some kissing for the love of God. (laughs) Same, same. (laughs) It's like my daily mantra. (laughs) One other, exactly, I'm like every day. I'm like, where will I get my quota of kissing? (laughs) 
Um, one of the things I want to talk about, and it'll be interesting because I'm a, I'm a teacher really, right. In my day job is one of my concerns as a teacher is like what I would say is the, um, the influence of adults on YA, right? Because my students know when a book is really not for them. I don't, I don't know how they know, but they do, right? So it'll be a book where I'll be like, all these adult readers of why I'll be like, oh my God, this book's amazing. And kids will be like, garbage, I don't want it. I mean, so how as an author do you balance out knowing that, I mean, what I like to say, because I'm a purist and I teach children and that's all I have to care about is adults are guests in the house of YA. You're a, right. you're a guest if you're an adult. It's not for you. You can enjoy it, but it's not for you. But at the same time, I think I have to be honest. They're the gatekeepers. They're the ones with the money. They're the buyers. They probably are a huge amount of the readers. So how does that play out if you can talk about it as an author when you think about that tension between the adult reader versus the teenage reader? Yeah, I mean, I actually think this is a great question. Um, I think about it as questioning, right? So like my books are for people who are asking questions, right? Like when I write a book, I'm always trying to answer something. Like, so for everything, everything, I had just had my little girl. I was a nervous mom. And I was just like, what if I have to take care of her forever, right? And that is where that story came from. Um, Like, take care of her forever the way you take care of an infant, right? Um, And so, you know, that's the question of that book. And then in The Sun is Also a Star, it was, you know, what is the power of having a big love? Can it change your life? how, How does fate conspired to push you together or, or, or pull you apart, right? So that was the big question. And for this one, as I say, you know, is love worth heartbreak or the potential for heartbreak? So it's just questioning, right? So like the books are for the kids who are questioning too and for the grown-ups who are questioning. And so that's how I think of it, right? It's just, a, I, I think of it as being in conversation about a philosophical question. Um, and then, you know, I have my characters in the world, but really what's driving it for me is like this thing that I like personally am trying to work out. Like I can't let it go until I come to a place where I've made some peace with the question I'm asking. And so I don't really think of it like, you know, I don't want a 50-year-old to read it. If you have these same questions, pick up the book and feel any of your like kissing, then this book is for you. And if you're 15 and sort of like more advanced reader and you're asking questions too, or you're interested in questions anyway, pick it up. And so I guess that's how I think about it. Don't ruin YA adults. That's, <laughs> I mean, and like I said, I can be kind yeah. of a, a jerk about it, right? That's something where I feel like um, as a, as a teacher, I want my students to be able to pick up books that are honest to them. And one of the ways that I think adults sort of gum up the works is, well, you know, my, my child, or, you know, if you're a librarian or whatever it is, whatever that gatekeeping role you have is, right? Like they're not ready for that. Well, they are. If they picked up that book, they're ready for it. Right. And if they aren't ready for it, they're going to stop reading it. <laughs> right. I think there's a couple of things where there's like the gatekeepers who are saying they're not ready for it and the gatekeep- the gatekeepers who are um, sort of saying, well, how did that character make that decision? And you're like, they're 15. They make yeah. bad decisions. That is like, it's not like the definition this of being a teenager. One of the fascinating response. I mean, because I started with that one YA novel back in the day, I have a lot of friends who write YA. And one of the things that fascinates me is that that review that's like, well, she just made such bad decisions. I'm like, have none of you been a teenager? I literally got my driver's license and then crashed into my sister's car in my parents' driveway that day. Like, we all make bad decisions as right. teen. Our right. brains are mush. Right. And, and these are adults who are making mistakes anyway and still at 50 or whatever. So and like right. criticizing the 15-year-old, you're like, I'm sorry, are you perfect? I don't know what happened. <laughs> Two weeks ago, my friend, my son and his friends were in a golf cart and they flipped it over and my son landed underneath it. 
<laughs> He's fine. But the point is, is kids are dumb. And I say that with love, right? right. Yes. Yes. my son. But, I mean, yeah. humans are dumb, to be yeah, honest. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I think that there's a way in which I want kids to be allowed to be kids in what, yes. right? And I think yeah. that that's when kids sort of say to me, like, they can't verbalize it exactly, like, this book wasn't working for me. Often it's because the the main characters are not kid-like in the way they act or perceive or whatever. So it's it's a really interesting dilemma, I think. Yeah. This is, brings up a question that's maybe kind of a writery question, but I'm going to ask it because I know a lot of writers listen to the podcast. So one of the things that I'm really fascinated by with YA and that I think all... So romance, as you know, we write generally pretty fast. I'm super slow, but most people write really fast yeah. over here in our in our in our part of the pool. Yeah, I'm always so jealous about how fast you guys are. Oh, same, same. (laughs) Um, And, but what's interesting is, and so we're always talking, Jen and I talk a lot on the podcast about how romance is constantly iterating the world around us, just like all genre fiction does, right? But one of the things that I'm really fascinated by with YA, and I think must be such a challenge, and so I'd love you to speak to it if you think about it at all, but is how you keep the books how you stay relevant, if that makes sense. So you are, you know, not a teenager and, and it is incredibly, I sometimes think about this as obviously certain things, your books feel so universal because they're kissing books about love and, you know, universal concepts and questions. But I do think all the time about how the audience is constantly shifting for you. And is it helpful to have a teenager? Is it, do you spend a lot of time asking her? Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, what do I, I know that this is sort of a in the weeds kind of question, but it's a a good question. Yeah. It's such a, it's something that I think about all the time. Like, oh, it must be exhausting to write YA because you're always, the the audience is churning, right? Right. Yeah. And um, there there are two parts to that, right? I think there is like the artistic part and then there's sort of the business part of that question, right? Mm So the art part is, it's what I said before. Like I write for big questions and so kids are always questioning. So in that way, it doesn't matter how old the kids get, right? They, if you're interested in like, you know, love and what it means and how it can change you, then, you know, you can pick up one of the books, right? But then the business part of that question is that the audience sort of ages out and, like, how do you get them to come back again? Um, And, you know, like, I can't control that part. Like, hopefully, right? Like, you know, it's one of those things that you, um, I can't write any faster than I do. Uh, I mean, I've tried. It does not work. <laughs> no, same. <laughs> like, it's just poor. It's, like, bad writing. Um, and so you just hope that they stick with you and that the, the books are sort of universal enough. As for, like, you know, whether or not I'm up on the slang, I don't care. I honestly, I cannot make myself care about this. Like, it's just, I write, like, slang-free and just assume that, like, the conversations that the kids are having and what they're talking about is a thing that's interesting because I have a nine-year-old. I do not have a 16-year-old. Um, right. And I know some, but, yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. No, that's how I you would know? feel, too. I'm just always right. curious. I could never be on this treadmill, right? Like, I just, I couldn't do well, it. Like, it's impossible. And by the time it got published anyway, that's like two-year-old yeah, slang that's or true. whatever. Yeah. 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 The other day, um, my son told me to go look it up in Urban Dictionary. Did I know Ooh, what burn. that was? And Very was big like, burn. <laughs> I pay mortgage here, kid. So. <laughs> I brought you into this world, kid. Yeah. I, it was Take like probably the, the close. I was like, do you know what? Yes, I know what Urban Dictionary is. <laughs> That's how they get you when they're eighteen. Yeah, so, um, let's talk about. Um, are we ready to give some recommendations? Yeah, let's talk about some books. Okay. Um, so I obviously recommend both Blackout and Instructions for Dancing. We've talked about those, but I would like to talk about Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett, um, which is. I really like this questioning stance. I love it. This is like a thing in my classroom, right? Read with a questioning stance. In this book, Simone is HIV positive, but she's interested, like super interested in sex because she's like a senior in high school. And um, her uh, her dads are like so great and so caring and like take her, or, like her HIV doctor essentially recommends that she go see just like a regular gynecologist for some of these questions and they like go with her. And I've got to tell you, like, the angst scale on this one is, like, super high. Um, <laughs> hmm. and, and, 
but also, like I said, manages to be really funny. But the thing that I, so she has this boy that she likes, Mile. She's in a musical theater. She has these like two really good friends. But underneath all that, there is this layer of trauma that she's dealing with because um, at her previous school, the girl she really was like had a crush on her. It was like kind of her best friend slash girlfriend. She told her thinking that it would be like kind of cone of silence and that she would accept it. And instead her friend told everybody and she had to actually leave her school. I think Simone as a character is like, I know who I am, but I, I have this fear that people will betray me. Right? How can I trust people with a secret they don't understand? And for me, as a, a kid that like who grew up in the '80s, when AIDS, like sort of the rise and fall of sort of HIV, is like a terrifying thing, it was really fascinating to kind of revisit this, like what happens to kids now. Um, anyway, I thought it was a really terrific. Uh, kind of YA romance. And like Instructions for Dancing, it had a lot of the, like, sort of, like, who am I? Who are my friends? How do I communicate with my dads? Who, like, I mean, she says this, like, under normal circumstances, my dads are the kinds of guys who would, like, leave condoms in my, you know, in my bathroom. But instead, it's, like, this question about, like, my safety, but also, like, you know, the weight of secrets and family drama. I mean, so I thought, but one of the things I also really liked about it is um, it was very matter-of-fact about how even kids who feel that they have parents who are understanding still have to figure out a lot of their own gender and sexual identity on their own. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, like I said, I have a nine-year-old and like she is in some ways function, she functions as another limb, right? Like you feel so close and, but there is a point at which they have to separate themselves. Right. And you cannot, as much as I want to, I can't help her through everything. Like I can't be there every day and answer every question. Um, and also part of growing up is actually learning to answer those questions. So I'd actually be a crappy mom if I, if I did do that. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's such a function of being a teenager that puts that tension of like safety and also, oh, I need to fly away. Right. And do things on my own. Well, and it, the, the love interest at her new school is this boy named Miles and they have a shared interest in musical theater and they're, you know, and he's terrific. I mean, and it ends up, but I really felt, I think I did read this book more as an adult or a parent (laughs) because I was just like, if he hurts you, (laughs) you know what I mean? But I thought this is a a good example of um, a book that is so richly layered with so many different um, Simone is really dealing with like, who am I in relationship to my parents? Who am I in relationship to my friends? Who am I as I'm entering into sort of a romantic and sexual relationship for the first right. time? Um, and just like, who am I all by myself? And I, it's a terrific, I, I really loved it. It's a terrific book. Yeah. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that one. I actually did not have a chance to read that one yet, but I'm going to take your recommendation. You should. <laughs> I will. <laughs> what about you, Nicola? Do you have? Do you have something? Yeah, I do. Um, so I'm gonna just make sure I remember everyone's name in this. <laughs> but I'm gonna recommend I'm gonna recommend David's book, My Husband, because it is like I understand that I'm in love with him, but also <laughs> <laughs> part of why I fell in love with him is because he's a great writer, and this is legitimately one of my favorite books, um, my favorite YA romances, and it's called Frankly Love. Um, and it's about Frank and it's, you know, sort of your classic, um, fake dating book, right? So he is, Frank is Korean American. His parents, um, want him to date someone who is Korean American, but he is in love with a girl who is white. Um, and then he has this Korean American friend and she's in love with someone who's Chinese American. And so they're not supposed to be together either. So they decide to fake date each other. So Frank and his Korean American friend decide to fake date each other so that they can see whoever they want. And then you know how fake dating plots go, right? Perfect. (laughs) Love it. point they start to fall in love um what I love about this book is that there's a big love story but it's also about how you fit 
right, into America with um, as, as an immigrant kid. And I'm an immigrant kid, too, because um, my family's, and I'm from Jamaica. So it's about, like, that little hyphen between Korean and American and what it means. Um, it's about falling in love with yourself, right, and then and, and falling in love with someone else. And also, it's hilarious, like See, humor the, and anger, it is. right? You need it. You need you it do. because that's what life is, though, right? I mean, even I swear to God, even on my saddest day, I laughed at some point or smiled at something, right? Um, but David is hilarious. Like the boy, like I think writing funny is very difficult. Like I don't think I'm good at it, but he is really, really good at it. Um, and so, like the whole time, like you're just sort of effortless falling through effortlessly falling through this book but you know he's talking about big things and you know he can write a good kissing scene like <laughs> as it turns out <laughs> I love it just a skill <laughs> <laughs> so um I came at this as a uh, thinking about um how our general listeners how fate mates listeners many of whom probably haven't spent a lot of time reading YA and are looking for a book that they maybe can share, can like co-read with somebody young in their life who they want to share romance with, but maybe they're, you know, a little nervous about, you know, sharing their, say, Cressley Cole vampire books with. (laughs) (laughs) Those books are so good. Don't be scared. (laughs) Everyone should have somebody who loves them enough to bring them a bag full of the heads of their enemies is my view on this. And Our entire view surely I will yes. teach my seven-year-old this just as soon as My she's ready. new favorite quote ever is what you just said. <laughs> heads of your enemies yes. is yes. as love language is, yes. is really where I'm at. You know, they really missed that in the love languages book, didn't they? <laughs> That's a badness, I think. So I went at it from that perspective. And so I chose, I would really love it if you all have not read this book. Um, Renee Adia's The Wrath and the Dawn, which is the first in a duology. And I just think, I mean, talk about somebody. I know Renee, and I know that she's a huge romance reader, and it shows in the text, just the way it shows in your text. Um, She's one of us. And Mm -hmm. um, this is a retelling of Scheherazade, um, of the A Thousand and One Nights. And the premise is that the heroine, this uh, young 16-year-old girl, there is a, she lives in a, a country where there is a kind of evil caliph, at least like that's how we're we're all sort of expected to believe that he is evil. Of course, he's not. <laughs> Named Khalid. Spoiler alert: He's the hero. Um, and, and he um, every night takes a new bride, and right. every night that bride is executed by sunrise. And <laughs> So, I mean, it's bad news over there at the castle. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) And the heroine volunteers. Like, everybody's pretty shocked that she basically, like, volunteers as tribute and offers herself up as a bride with, like, a hugely elaborate, really brilliant plan to end this kind of terrible reign and then she gets there, and of course, because it's a romance, right. nothing is as it seems. Right. There is way more to the story. Oh, yeah. There's a magnificent ending to the first book that will immediately have you downloading the second book. And I don't want to talk too, too much about it, but what I love about this is that I think in romance, and we, Jen and I have talked about this a lot, but that paranormal, and you too, Nicola, as somebody who clearly loves paranormal, mm-hmm. um, just like the heroine of instructions for dancing, there is a there. We've really been on a downswing in romance. Like somewhere in a talk about gatekeepers, like somewhere in New York City, a bunch of editors got together and they were like, mm, "No more paranormal in romance. We're over it." Right. But in YA, there is still rich, beautiful world-built paranormal and fantasy. Yes. And in this case, like this is a this is a fantasy, but it also has this very kind of like intense romantic suspense slash paranormal slash fantasy feel to it. And right. um, and it's. Delicious. That book also made me really hungry yes. because the way she describes food oh. and like these feasts. Yeah. Like I was just like, and, and I know Renee too. And I remember when I read this, I was like, 
I'm starving every time <laughs> I read. Like, what is what is happening? Like, I have to eat when I read your books. Yeah. Like, I'm, books are all like that. There's always just a lot of like delicious um, yeah. food. Um, and she's a total foodie too. There's a real lushness to and yes. food. It, it, this sort yeah. of speaks to that. Like, there's, yeah. a, there's a real lushness to Renee's writing. Yes. And it, I mean, it's you feel yeah. every, every color, the colors are all turned up, as you yep. said earlier. Like, everything feels like you're just, you're just basking in the glow of this delicious yeah. book. Yeah. Um, and then she has a second series called, um, the, I think the series is called The Beautiful, but so is the first um, yeah. book yeah. in the series. And that's all vampires in right. 1870. New that Orleans. Yeah. And also very lush. You feel like the humidity and the like heat and the you know darkness. And then these like dead bodies are all turning up and there's a hot, like possibly murderous vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Like Isn't that all vampires, isn't that all hot, possibly possibly murderous? <laughs> no one does a bad boy like YA. Let's be honest. It's so really true. You. It's true. I mean, I grew up on that like '90s. If if you are an adult lister right now who grew up like kind of before the Twilight era of YA, a book I do recommend. I'll just like it's not a romance. Is called Paperback Crush. Sarah, I told you to get this yeah, yeah, book, yeah. right? Nicole, I don't know if you've read it, but it's... Um, I, have, I don't have not this one. And get it in paper, everybody. But it basically is like looking back at like the kind of like the babysitter's club and like the what middle grade and YA looked like before before we, before kind of it became like such a huge thing. And it like, I was, you know, it was like this like, Sweet Valley High, and there was, like, a a series called Couples and Cheerleaders, and it was, like, all these books that I grew up reading kind of before YA became what it is now, Um, and it was honestly a total blast from the past. Oh, my God. Sweet Valley High. Sweet Valley High. All of those. And, like, they were so wealthy, and there were horses. And I just remember going, who are these people? Like, I was, like, poor in Brooklyn. I was like, this is amazing. What is this world? (laughs) Who are these girls? (laughs) What is a lavalier? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jen, Jen always talks about the fact that Elizabeth and Jessica Trent, like, Wait, Wakefield. are they Trent? They're at Wakefield. Wakefield. That's Jessica yeah. Trent is a different, a different thing entirely. Uh, Elizabeth and Jessica Wakefield like are described always as what is it, Jen? Size six and a yeah. But somebody told perfect si- size six. Perfect size six. Somebody told me now they're perfect size four. What? Oh. What? Come That's on. not great. Nobody needs that. No. I was like, let's raise a glass. To There's like riding crops and like uh, equestrian competitions and like all this, all this stuff. Like, what? Yeah. What's going on? All I wanted was a twin sister so that we could, like, be the Wakefields. But I wanted to be the evil one and not the, you know, kind of hapless good one. Jessica. You wanted to be Jessica? Of course. (laughs) I can remember. (laughs) Um, Okay, I want to talk. So I recommended a really angsty YA. I want to recommend one one that I think is instead of, like, veers towards, like, the really fun kind of like funny side, which is um, I believe in a thing called love by Maureen Gu, um, which is a really terrific YA romance about a girl whose name, her name's Desi Lee, and she is um, romantically challenged, I guess she would say. And so, you know, she's like this disaster. I can't remember. There's something her friends always call her, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but like anytime she likes somebody, she just like screws it all up, right? And so she hatches this like perfect plan which is she's gonna she basically mainlines k-dramas all weekend and then comes up with like the rules of love according to k-drama because if she follows these rules then clearly she's gonna get this like really cute kind of his name's luca dragos and of course he's like the artistic kind of you know reticent bad boy type and this is the one she has her eye on and it is like downright hilarious because of course there's a lot of drama in k-drama that you probably shouldn't really do in your real life (laughs) right I mean I think at one point I can't remember she like basically like throws something like like spikes in the road so that he'll like like run over it with his car (laughs) 
please don't do this back to like teenagers are reckless. Um, but it's true, like a truly, really funny YA romance too. That's just like so heartfelt. And I, but I really loved it. And I think that especially now, like K-dramas are so big. Um, a kind of a companion would be Nisha Sharma's My So-Called Bollywood Life, which has like a similar, like she's trying to get into film school and is like watching Bollywood movies for kind of advice for how to like live her life. And I think this makes a lot of sense to me because there are a lot of ways in which teenagers are like, how do I model, like, where can I look for models for how to do this thing right? And maybe sometimes they don't make the best decisions, but it is a truly, really funny, great book. To be fair, I'm not sure that many uh, teenagers would know where to get spikes in the to throw in the road. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that right. this is the main issue. It was yes. like access. Exactly. Right. Like on the wire cutter, trying to figure out where to get the best right. spikes. Oh my God, I love that site. I Me spent too. so much time on there. Well, we're going to all look right now. Where are the best road spikes to derail your love and have on you who needs a ride home? Uh, um, so the second one that I'll recommend is. You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson. Um, And this one is on the lighter side, too. It's just fun. It's poppy. Um, The main character, whose name I cannot remember, and I do not have my hands on the book right now. It's okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She is basically trying to get to be prom queen. And and the, the her school does not want someone who is gay to be prom queen, and she figures it out. Um, it's just like one of these books that like gets under your skin, like you don't even realize it's sort of building up, um, and you're laughing every couple of pages, and then by the time you get to like this one moment, you're going, "Oh my god, I'm really invested in this book." It like sneaks up on you. Um, it's very funny. It's very sweet. And it's a happily ever after, which I think sometimes you don't get with um, gay characters, especially queer girls. Um, and so, like, the political side of me is also happy about that, but it's also just pure romance, you know? So it's like it's just an effervescent and fun book. And that author has a new book out, like, this week, yeah, right? But I don't remember out, the title of it's, it. It's um, Rise to the Sun, which I have right here. Um, and I actually blurped that one. It's also terrific. Um, and I think I want to say it came out last Tuesday. Sixth. My second one is also um, paranormal, and it's about dragons. Um, Sophie Jordan's Firelight, which um, many of you know Sophie Jordan as a romance novelist who writes historicals and contemporaries um, and paranormals, but she also writes YA. Um, and her this is a um, a series. It's a, I think it's a trilogy and has a novella attached to it. Um, but the heroine of this trilogy discuss it through in the. In the context of this world, um, the heroine is uh, is a dragon. She is both. She's a dragon shifter, and so when she comes of age, as a teenager, she becomes a dragon. And um, there have been um, she's able to shift into a dragon form. And um, over the course of many generations, there have not been fire dragons um, for many, many years. And she is born, she is, when she shifts, she is this, like, special dragon. Um, however, and they are secret, it is set, it's, um, it's set alongside our current, our current world. And dragons exist, but they are secret. Um, except, of course, there are hunters who know the dragons exist. And so they are secretly hunting dragons and the um she goes out for like first fly um with her friends and um there she runs into a a oh, no. world of a group of hunters um and there is a young hunter who is learning to hunt and of course everyone knows because yes. it's romance this young hunter is the hero right. and it is so romantic because he's fat that's the moment Y'all, when he <laughs> sees her as in her dragon form, like with her her scales for the first time, it is so hot because he like can't, he's so drawn to her and blown away by her. And he can't, there's, uh, they're in a cave and all the hunters are outside the cave and he sees her and he can't hunt her. He can't 
hurt her. You can I just tell you how excellent you are at like selling a book? You are unbelievable. Oh, so I am like literally like I'm yeah. going, can I just download this or write the bonus right this second? Like you are amazing. It's so good. And of course they go to high school together, I think. Sure. <laughs> why not? It's well, it's like Buffy, right? Like every they're just like every bad they're at the Hellmouth or whatever. And so all the hunters and all the dragons go to high school together. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so getting this book <laughs> Oh, you're gonna tear through it. I like can't wait. I have a seven-year-old and I cannot wait for her to be old enough so I can like to read it. Push it into her hands and be like, read all this dragon <laughs> the, girl. The best feelings. Can I, before we sign off, I I I wanna talk a little bit bit about um, a couple romances that I think would be appropriate for younger kids. Oh, what a fun idea. We really talked, I think, kind of pretty explicitly YA, which would mean like these are like high school age kids would probably read them or be most interested in reading them. Although I believe in a thing called love, I think would probably be appropriate for middle schoolers too. Um, I mean, any of them would be like, I don't really gatekeep kids. Like if you think this book is for you, but I do think sometimes the, like the issues seem like too old or whatever. Um, And then kids don't read them because they just aren't into it. But there are a couple YA books, like middle grade, that I think are really appropriate. So one of my favorites is a book called Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee. And in this one, again, super high concept, the daughter of the town's superheroes falls in love with the daughter of the town's supervillains. Oh. Perfect. Oh. It's perfect. And she and, and Jess is the superhero daughter. Ascent, like all the kids develop their like superhero skills by like 16 or 17. And she has not developed hers yet. Oh. So there's also this internal conflict with her. Like, who am I if I don't even like develop the right skills? And I'm supposed to be superhero. And then she's like really attracted to Abby, who's who is like a good kid, who's like, but my parents are the villains. And it's terrific. Um, and that's, it's a really fun book and it's the first of a series. It's called Not Your Sidekick. And then I think there's like Not Your Villain or Not Your Hero. I can't remember which order. Good. That's like right up my nine-year-old alley. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, even though it has, even though the characters are, you know, kids read up. So even though the characters are 16 or 17, it felt really like really, I give it to seventh graders a lot, and okay. fine. Okay. And then, if you want someone a little bit younger, there's a great book by called Star Crossed by Barbara D. And in this one, a fifth grade girl and her friends are putting on a performance with their drama teacher of like Romeo and Juliet. And the one, the main character gets cast, I think, is Romeo. I can't exactly remember the right the way it works, but she is really grappling with like being attracted both to her like best friend who's a girl, but also oh no, maybe she gets cast as Juliet, but also to the boy who is cast as Romeo. And so it's really a book about questioning identity. And you know, this is something where sometimes you run across people who are like, kids that age don't stop it's nonsense. It. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so again, and it's the characters in the book are fifth graders. So it's really appropriate even for like younger middle schoolers. And it's terrific. It's called Star Crossed by Barbara D. So I, if you are, I, you know, if you're listening, you're like, wow, I'm interested, but my kids are younger. Those would be two books that I highly recommend to your middle schoolers. Wow. You guys have just increased my TBR pile by like a mile. For real. We try. You're welcome. <laughs> you don't have anything to do, Nicola, as we've established. So here you go. Just lie I'm around. I'm just going to read. But I mean, honestly, books. yeah. I read two books, a re- two books a week, you guys. I can't help. It's like breathing, yeah, too. Course. I just can't help so it. Tricky. I got to do it. Yeah. Well, Nicola, this was a real treat. Will you come again sometime? You, you can just tell me when. Tell me when. <laughs> Put out like the Nikki signal and I'll be here. This was awesome. It was so really fun. fun to have you. Um, the book is called Instructions for Dancing. And that is out now. Um, Blackout is also out now. Nicola, tell everybody where they can find you. I am at Nicola Yoon on Twitter, but I hate Twitter, so don't go there. Find (laughs) me at um, Nicola Yoon on Instagram, and I'm much more fun and relaxed there, and they're pretty pictures. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was a real treat. Thank you for having me. This is really, like, I do a lot of things, and this was awesome. This was, oh, like, I'm so glad. fabulous. Okay. Well, you got to come talk about kissing, right? <laughs> right. Hello. I mean, how bad could it be? <laughs> That's really Not what bad. everybody wants to do, but then they make you talk about, like, smart stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not us. Kissing first, always. <laughs> and bags of vampire heads. Exactly. Heads as love language. <laughs> no problem. Those no. Together. Just, like, just some carrots. You can put that in your next book, Nicholas. I am absolutely going to. <laughs> This is Faded Mates. You can find us online at fadedmates.net where you can take the survey of listeners. You can It's just right there on the main page. You can also find on that website links to best friend Kelly for pins and stickers. If you are there, you can also click through to merch from Jordan Denae, t-shirts and blackjack cases, etc. And also find Jen's amazing show notes. She really outdoes herself every week. Anyway, find us on Twitter at FadedMates or on Instagram at FadedMatesPod. And we hope you're reading something great this week. 